Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. read from the book of Song of Solomon this morning. I do feel, as I stated earlier, that um, I do feel the Lord's given me a, a, a right now rhema word for this church or for the body of Christ, the church in general, and uh, we can all drink this in today, and all of us need this today. We need to be reminded of it with the pressures of life and so forth, that God's love toward us is great. Are you, are you glad that he loves you today? I'm going to read from Song of Solomon, the second chapter, four verses. I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. As the lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. As the apple tree among the trees of the wood, so is my beloved among the sons. I sat down under his shadow with great delight, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. Then it said, and he brought me to the banqueting house banqueting house special place and then it said his banner over me was love he brought me to the banqueting hall to the banqueting house and his banner over me was love I'm going to preach from that last sentence his banner over me is love if you're glad of that shout amen Thank you for coming to church. Thank you for letting me be here. Clap your hands on your way down. You may be seated. The Lord's going to help us today. Amen. Some parts of the Bible are much better known than others. For example, the life and teachings of Christ, the amazing stories, uh, which I love as well, of the patriarchs in the Old Testament parts of the Bible that for many believers are some of their great favorites and and you underline them or, or, or know certain verses well, return to those key verses time and again. And it may not be, it is easily found, and it's right in the middle of the Bible, but the Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon is a book that's rarely read and hardly known to some. The Bible does tell us that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, so it's profitable for teaching. It's, it's God-breathed, and it's important that we study and learn from all of God's Word, for all of it was revealed to us for a purpose. For not only does it contain some of the beautiful poetry in the Bible, but it contains some very important lessons that God wants to teach us. Chapters or books like Psalms and Proverbs and Lamentations with which the Song of Solomon is grouped in the Old Testament. This book is entirely poetical in form. Primarily, the Song of Songs is a song of praise that celebrates God's creation. And the very presence of the poem in the Bible demonstrates the importance that God places on love and commitment. And it is only fitting that God speaks to the crowning glory of His creation, human love. Through the crowning glory of this poetry, In the Old Testament writings, the Song of Solomon, down through the ages, both Jews and Christians alike 
have applied different interpretations to this book in order to try to get a better understanding of the poetry within it. For example, and this is the part that, that, I, that, that we want to understand today, both Jews and Christians have suggested that the Song of Songs is an allegory. It is a picture of either God's love for His people Israel or Christ's love for the church which elsewhere in the Bible is described as his bride. And that's where I want to preach to us from this morning. Christ's love for the church. His incredible and mind-boggling love for us. And in this second chapter, which we read and got our text from, the, the, the maiden's reply to his attempts to flatter her is to sing the praises of her shepherd lover. And when it talks about to sit in his shade, it suggests that she is feeling safety and protection when she is around him. And in stark contrast to Solomon's banquet, the maiden imagines what her wedding banquet with her shepherd lover would be like. And her banner or emblem of engagement She pictures to be the pure and faithful love of the shepherd. And that's why she can say, He has brought me to his banquet hall. And his banner over me is love. I feel today a strong urge of the Spirit. I really do. I told the 9 o'clock crowd the same. It's not a cliche. I feel an imprompting of the Holy Ghost to bring a word of hope to some people that are in this place right now. Can you say amen? It has been said that man can live about 40 days without food, about three days without water, about eight minutes without air, but not one one second without hope. And I know the Lord has instructed me to bring to this awesome group of people today in Austin a good dose of his love. And I want to raise a word today in this congregation to remind us and to encourage us that he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. I want to remind us what Paul told us in Romans 5 when he said that when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. He went so far as to say, for scarcely would a righteous man die. Yet peradventure for a good man would some even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us. In that while yet we were sinners, he died for us. Much more than us being justified by his blood, we're going to be saved from wrath through him. I want to remind us today that that it's more than just a banner that you see at a football game or it's more than just somebody's favorite verse. But somebody today still needs to hear John 3.16 that states that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that God 
sent his son not into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. I want to remind you that greater love according to the scripture hath no man than this that a man would lay down his life for his friends. I want to remind you that in this was the love of God manifest toward us because God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is that love, not that we love God, but he loved us and he loved us so much that he sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. The Bible said that we love him because he first loved us. And the Bible said that God was so rich in mercy because of the, not just love, but the great love which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses. He came down and made us alive together with Christ. Somebody today that's having a bad day, you need to listen to me when I tell you that we are the apple of his eye, that we are his people and the sheep of his pasture and that the Lord's portion is his people. I want to remind you that we serve a God today that promised he will not leave us nor forsake us but will go with us to the end of the world. Is there anybody besides me that's glad that he looked beyond your fault and saw your need? He knew your sin. He knew your past but he loved you in spite of it. He knows where you're at right now. We used to sing the song that said, Jesus knows all about my struggle. He will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. The Bible said faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the word of God. How can they hear without a preacher? I am a big promoter and believer in that verse. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. I believe that one message, one song, one service can change your mindset, can change your attitude. I did not come to Austin today just to preach two times, but rather I came with an assignment, and that is before you leave and go home or go eat, I want you to understand that no matter what you're facing, you are fearfully and wonderfully made, and that before you were formed in your mother's womb, God knew all about you, and if I can get you to embrace that kind of love, there's not a devil in hell that can stop you. There's not a sickness that can keep you down. There's not a depression or a worry or a problem. His banner over us is love. If you feel that love today, clap your hands with everything you got. He loves us. Say it with me. I'm going to tell a story. It's, it's in the Bible. I'm going to be a little long in telling it. Not that long, but I'll tell it and illustrate the story. The calendar on the wall indicated it was about 760 years before Christ was born. A man by the name of Jeroboam II was on the throne of the northern kingdom of Israel and his military exploits had, had extended Israel's borders farther than they'd been since the days of Solomon's glorious kingdom, all kinds of money from nations was pouring into the capital city of, of Samaria, into the treasury. The people of Israel were enjoying a period 
of unprecedented prosperity, but sometimes, is oft, or is often the case with prosperity, sometimes can come moral and spiritual degeneration. And so secularism and materialism had begun to capture the hearts of the people and, and sin was getting out of control. The list kind of reads some like our world today, all, all kinds of swearing and, and killing and stealing and perversion and, 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 and oppression, to name a few. But the thing that grieved the heart of God more than anything was the sin of idolatry because the, the golden calves that were set up by Jeroboam the first 150 years before had opened the floodgates to all kinds of evil oppression of Canaanite idolatry, including religious prostitution, human sacrifice. And so since the Lord viewed Israel as his wife, he viewed her worship of other gods as spiritual adultery. The Old Testament speaks frequently of Israel whoring after other gods, playing the harlot with other gods. You know the scripture where Jehovah told Israel from the beginning, I'm not going to share you with others. And he wrote it in the Ten Commandments by saying, You shall have no other gods before me. But she ignored his command. And by the days of Jeroboam, the second situation was basically intolerable. And so God said, I've got to raise me up a prophet to speak. And so he raised up Amos. And Amos thundered God's warning of judgment that was going to come if people didn't turn to God. But the nation paid little attention. So the Lord spoke again. And this time he... He, he had a prophet, the notice, named Hosea. And his name meant Jehovah is salvation. And so he's going to raise this man up. His name means Jehovah is salvation. He's, he's going to declare a, a call to repent. But the Lord comes to him in an unlikely ma- manner and wants him to embrace in an unlikely marriage. And the Lord tells this man, I want you to go marry. I want you to get engaged and marry a woman that's a prostitute. She's got trouble. This is going to illustrate the way my people have been untrue to me, committing open adultery against me by worshiping other gods. And so it's obvious this woman he was going to be with had been affected by the the moral decay of her society and God wanted to use his personal relationship, Hosea's personal relationship, as an object lesson of his own relationship with his unfaithful people Israel. So no matter what her past was, there was a, a little evidence of repentance and faith in Jehovah. Maybe maybe the, the, the woman responded to his ministry uh, of Hosea. and Maybe she found in her heart she was going to love and he found in his heart to love her. And God directed him, directed him to take her to be his wife. And so it was that Gomer became the unlikely wife of a, a young budding preacher named Hosea. In the early years of their marriage, probably beautiful, the love was blossoming. God gave him a son. His name was Jezreel. And after that, Hosea begins noticeably to notice a change in his wife. He keeps preaching. He keeps encouraging people to return from sin. Trust God. Return to the Lord was the theme of his message. And he preached it repeatedly with power. But then that brings us secondly to his unrelieved agony. His wife's absence from home probably grew more frequent and prolonged and he began to have suspicion about uh, her faithfulness to him and he lay awake at night and wrestled with those fears. He's preaching with a heavy heart during the day but his suspicions were confirmed. She becomes pregnant again. It's a girl this time. God tells him to to name this girl Lorahama which means unloved or unpitied. 
not enjoying her true father's love is what that meant. And so the name was symbolic of Israel's wandering from God's love and discipline. And that spiritual message could not soothe the prophet's soul. And so later, after Laura Hama had been weaned, Gomer conceived again. And God told Hosea, name this child, it's a boy, name him Loami, which means no kin of mine or not my people. And it symbolized Israel's alienation from Jehovah, but also it exposed his wife's sinful escapades because the child born in his house was not his. Now it's all out in the open. Everybody knows about the preacher, his wife, she's having affairs, and the second chapter of the prophecy describes Jehovah's relationship with his unfaithful wife Israel, but it's hard to escape the feeling that grows out of Hosea's relationship naturally with Gomer as it's sandwiched between two chapters that clearly describe this sad story. So he's going to plead with his wife. He probably threatens to disinherit her. She's running off with lovers. They promise to lavish her with material things and she may stop but she proceeds back. She may repent but she goes back and then comes the final straw. Maybe it was a note. Maybe it was a word by a friend but the essence of it was I'm leaving for good for this time. I found my true love. Never coming back again and surely Hosea's heart ached as he understood now that she's wanting to choose a life that's going to bring her to ultimate ruin. I guarantee you he probably had friends. He's human. Had friends or family that told him, good riddance to her, Hosea. You you don't need her anymore. You're done with that. But Hosea didn't feel that way. He longed for her to come home even in her mistakes. And can I tell the church this morning that we cannot escape the message of this kind of undying love. Because he wanted to see his wife restored to his side again. And he believed that God was great enough to do it. And one day word came. It's getting worse now. One day word comes through the grapevine that Gomer, his wife, had been deserted by one of her lovers. And she had sold herself into slavery. And it hit rock bottom. And surely now Hosea would forget her. But his heart said no. He could not give up on her. And that's when... Two chapters later, God speaks to this man again. And the Bible said that then the Lord said unto him, notice this, go love a woman beloved of her friend. And even God said, yet an adulteress. So I want you to go get her back. And I want you to love her. And yes, she has had problems being an adulteress. And then the Bible said, according to the love of the Lord toward the children of Israel. This man was still beloved of Hosea. This woman was still beloved of Hosea, even though she had a lot of issues. But God wanted him to seek her out and prove his love to her. You say, how? My God, can anybody love that deeply? How? After this track record, could anybody give somebody like that a second, third, fourth, fifth, or sixth chance? But God told him, hear this now, I'm preaching. You go get your wife again, and you go bring her back to you again, and you love her according to the love of the Lord toward the children of Israel. Let me translate that for you today. You go get her back again and love her just as the Lord loves you. 
And he began the search. Now he's driven by an indestructible divine love. Love that Paul talked about that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. Love that never ends. Love that endures all things. Guess what? He did find her. He found her ragged and torn, sick, dirty, destitute. He found her chained to an auction block in a filthy slave market. A repulsive shadow of the woman she once was when he first married her. How can anybody love her now? But Hosea reached in his back pocket, got his wallet out, and he bought her from slavery for 15 shekels of silver and 13 bushels of barley. And he said, woman, you're going to stay with me for many days. You're not going to play the harlot I'll be a man to you you'll be a wife to me and so this man paid for her he brought her home and eventually restored her to position as his wife oh my lord I'm so glad today that when me and you didn't get it right and still don't get it right that we serve a God that's the God of the second chance and the third chance oh somebody help me He's the God of the four chance and he's willing to go get you back and to bring you to himself. He loves us. Let me tell you, when you've been through something like this, no wonder Hosea could write in 11 chapters later and talk about God when he said, I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely. For mine anger is turned away from him. No wonder he could take a pen and write and say, Come, let us return to the Lord. For he hath torn, but he's going to heal us. He hath smitten, but he wants to bind us up. Notice what he said. After two days will he revive us. And in the third day he will raise us up. And we shall live in his sight. Is anybody hearing me when I tell you that God's not trying to kick you into hell? God's not hoping that you don't make it. This book said that thou, Lord, art ready to forgive and you are plenteous in mercy for those that call upon you. My Bible said it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They're new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Is anybody clap your hands and say thank God for his love. Where's my banner at? Come on, clap louder. He brought me to the banqueting house and his banner over me is love. So I'm living every day knowing I may have some problems, I may have some issues, I may not always get it right and have it all together. But I can tell you one thing, David said, uh, this is an incredible verse, David said, if my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. And I'm getting up every morning realizing that this one may turn their back on me. And this one may say he'll never get it right. And this one may... But his banner over me is love. There's a scripture in the Bible that talks about a young man named Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth, no fault of his own, was dropped. When he was dropped, he became lame in both of his feet. David gets promoted to king. And there's authority with being king. And David said, I'm going to show kindness to his family. 
So I want Mephibosheth to come eat bread at my table always continually. And the Bible said that Mephibosheth did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on both his feet. He's got, he's got lameness in his feet. But the king said, he shall be in my house and at my table. That's love. If you read Ecclesiastes, it says where the word of a king is, there is power. And who may say to that king, what doest thou? Or what are you doing? Can I preach to somebody today? Help me now. That we're in the presence of the one Jesus that is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And none of us as human beings have the right to look at him and say, Lord, how come you're giving them a second chance? How come you're giving them a 15th chance? I'll tell you why. Because he's the king. And if the king died for you in your sins, he died for you in your mistakes. He died for you in your... I wish somebody today would say, Pastor, I came in a little bit discouraged, but I'm going to the restaurant today with a banner over me that says it's love, that he cares for me, that goodness and mercy is going to fall. Oh, come on, worship him in this house. Praise him. Woo! I tell people sometimes, I say, you don't have to have the organ and keyboard and the bass and the drums. This music department here, I'm not saying this so y'all invite me back. This is second to none. You're not going to get no better than this. This is it. Well, let me tell you something. They ain't following you home on Monday. And sometimes on Tuesday and rainy days and Mondays. The Bible said sometime in Ephesians 9, you got to speak to yourself. And the Bible says, in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, sing and make melody in your heart to the Lord. And sometime when you wish there was a praise team or you wish there was a pastor, you got to speak to yourself. Go all the way back to that beloved hymn in 1912. When somebody wrote that hymn, it said, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. I was very deeply stained within, seeking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry and from the waters lifted me. Safe am I. And the chorus said, love lifted me. Love lifted me. When nothing else could help. Love. I'm speaking to somebody today and the devil is trying to smash you out with depression. I've come to tell you there's a banner over you today. It's God's love. I don't care what your past is, where you came from, who your family was. Love will lift you up. Love will set you. I want you to clap with everything you got. Clap with everything you got. Woo! I feel a release of the Holy Ghost. Don't you let the pain of your past 
keep you from a promised future. The past is where you learn the lesson. The future is where you're going to apply the lesson. But don't give up in the middle. The banner over you is love. You say, preacher, I feel condemnation for my past. Don't. Because the first person that saw the Lord when he got resurrected was a woman that at one time had seven devils in her. There is a banner over us that is God's love. And if I can get you to believe that today, I don't, I'm going to say this. I'm sorry. I don't care who says you can't make it. I don't care who get, if love is over you. If I go here, love is with me. If I go here, David said, if I ascend to heaven, he's there. If I go to the depths of hell, love lifts me up. I don't apologize for getting excited. That's who I am. Because as a teenager that was doing stupid stuff. And when my daddy, who was my pastor, couldn't do it, God's love lifted me out of sin. I heard about two explorers that were on a jungle safari when suddenly a ferocious lion jumped in front of them. Keep calm, the first explorer said. Remember what we read in that book about wild animals? If you stand perfectly still, look the lion in the eye, he will turn and run. The friend said, sure, you read the book and I read the book. But has the lion read the book? Sometimes life hits us so hard, we, we really want to know, has the devil read the book? I promise you. The roaring lion, the devil's read the book and he's got to abide by its truth. And I'm going to tell you what the Bible said. In fact, you're going to quote it for me. I don't want you to, I don't want you to whisper it. I, don't want you, I want you to shout it. We're going to quote Bible. I am more than, I am more than a conqueror. Through him that loves me. That's it. Not because of your ability, not because who your parents were or not. Oh, pastor, I've been raised under a generational curse. There's enough love in this place today that when you leave, the curse is broken and the blessing begins. Stand to your feet. There's enough of God's love in this place today that the curse is broken and the blessing begins. In fact, I want you to shout that. The curse is over. And the blessing begins. Shout it, cause of his love. Brother Randy and the team here has got a great song. Whatever they do is going to be great. I want the prayer partners to come, but we're going to do something today for everybody. You say, well, I don't know if I can get down here. It's just a few people. No, I'm going to open up prayer to everybody. If you need healing, deliverance, salvation, if, you, if you're in a bad spot in your life, I closed a little bit early today to give you extra time to pray. Come on, we'll make it to the restaurant. You'll be, you'll be fine. But I'd rather you leave here today going into the new year with a big old dose of love all over you. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.